Hey everybody, it's Eric Balance coming to you with the Resilient Minds Podcast, where I feature beautiful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and experts in their field, where they help us discover their X factor, their experience of life, only to discover how they were able to accomplish and find out their why factor, their big why, their purpose in life. So join me as we get to discover the beauty of our minds and how can we really continue to go after the biggest and most wildest dreams while we continue to pursue and manifest our greatest intelligence that comes from the heart. See you on the show. Welcome everybody to the Resilient Minds podcast. I'm super grateful uh, and excited to introduce you to Coot Blackson. Welcome to the show, my brother. Thanks for having me. So, brother, you know, uh, for anybody that hasn't got to meet you, I'm going to do a little introduction, but where are you calling in from today? Today I'm in Los Angeles, California. Amazing. So for those of you that don't know who Coot is, uh, Coot's the uh, author of a national best-selling book called You Are the One. I love, I love the, the title and I'm excited to read this. It's widely considered, uh, he's widely considered the next generation leader in field of personal development by a lot of great people, actually, that most of you may have heard, ranging from Larry King, Jack Canfield, Marianne Williamson, and he's been featured on Larry King Now, Fox Friends, Dr. Drew, Inc. Magazine even calls him the mindfulness guru for billionaires to go to for advice. So by being charismatic, visionary, and transformational, Coot offers really this bold understanding of awareness and spirituality where I'm really excited for you guys to get to experience. And really, you're born in, in Ghana. Yes. Amazing. So uh, multi multicultural upbringing and uh, mm. child of your mom's from Japan. Beautiful. Yes. And so as we get into this, uh, for those of you that aren't aware, uh, he has a very unique lineage and approach that lays, uh, lays down how we can actually break and utilize these barriers that we have all really kind of encompassed, but allows us to unlock our true gift and potential for greatness. So you've been spending a lot of these times over the last 20 years and inspiring audiences from all over the world. So I'm really excited to hear your mission, um, which is really simple, to awaken and inspire people across the planet to access this inner freedom, live authentically, and fulfill their true life's purpose. Brother, welcome to the show. I'm excited. I'm looking forward. I want to get to know all about you. It's good to have you, my friend. Thank you for having me. So my friend, you know, the biggest thing that uh, I always ask everybody is how do we go through our experiences to fulfill and cultivate our big why? And so I know you've been doing this, you know, for a very long time and you've been uniquely identifying and understanding yourself. I'm more curious about what started it and why. Why was this so important to you? Uh, what was that maybe one transformational moment that allowed you to say, I got to go all in? Do you mind sharing, taking us there? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know if there's one transformational moment. I think life is a progression and life is a process and life is an evolution. 
And even that one moment that we have, that's an explosive one moment, like boom, is the accumulation or the fulfillment of several moments that have led up to that moment. And so behind that one moment are many, 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 many moments uh, over time. And so for me, I had a bit of a unique childhood that I think set the foundation for my life, but I did not realize, I thought my childhood was quite normal, actually. I thought it was like everybody else's in that um, I was always a very empathetic kid and I always had a deep feeling and a deep desire to help people in some way. I didn't know what that would look like. And so as a boy, like my first memories as a young, as a young boy, around six years old, was seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the gravel and the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. And so week after week, I grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear and people stand up out of wheelchairs. And so you could call this miracles, the miraculous, um, right in front of me. And so uh, the same man who sand she picked up would look at a woman in the wheelchair and say, hey, why are you in this wheelchair? Stand up, you're not sick. And he would put his hands on them and they would stand up. And People would be elated and somebody would come in with crutches and he would say, hey, why do you have these crutches? Throw them away. And he would touch them and they would be healed. And so this man was my father and he was considered a miracle man of Africa. People often say, I mean, was that stuff real? Did it really happen? Maybe it was a scam. Maybe you were hallucinating. And I mean, this is just the stuff I saw as a kid from you know five, six to 18 and just seeing day in, day out. And I honestly didn't think I didn't think anything unusual about it. It was just what I knew, you know? So I, I was blessed in that sense to grow up with a sense of possibility, with a sense that anything is possible. There's no limitations to life and the universe. And so how it started for me was at age eight, my speaking career began because my father, my father built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, had a huge church in London, 5,000 people every Sunday. He was uh, a very spiritual man, went to India in the 70s and had an enlightenment experience, so to speak. And so by the time I was born, he was very mystical. And he threw me in the audience and he said, my son is going to speak today. And that began my speaking at age eight. And at age eight, I don't know what happened. Maybe that was a moment, but I don't know what happened. But words just began coming out of my mouth that I cannot explain. And people were inspired and people were touched. And that also made me very curious to try to understand what was happening to me and what is going on. And what is this, like, one day I'm playing soccer, next day words are coming out of my mouth. And so I began asking questions. And so from eight to 14, uh, I would sneak into my father's office where he had thousands of spiritual self-help books, everyone from the Eastern mystics to the Western sort of Louis Hay, Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra. And I began reading and reading, just trying to understand life and the purpose of life and who am I and why am I here and what is happening to me. And, and so when I was 14, I was ordained as a minister. And that was another pivotal moment. So it was a series of moments. When I was 14, my father announces, my son is taking over my ministry. He's my successor. And uh, everybody was happy but me. Because I think deep down in my soul, there was a part of me that there was a part of me that knew that this was not my path. My life was scripted for me. And I just had the sense, this is not my path. This is not my journey. This is not my destiny. And I was too afraid to speak my truth. My fear was, if I speak my truth, 
if I express how I really feel, that I'm going to be outcast, I'm going to be alone, I'm going to be abandoned, that I'm going to lose my father's love. And I think like many of us, I allowed fear to hijack my, my voice. And I said nothing. And so I got ordained. And for four years, I went through this inner questioning. And I tried to fit myself into a box of who I thought I needed to be in order to be loved and validated. And when I was 18, things came to a head. Things came to a, a decision point. When I looked into my future, I chose not to go to university, another moment. And so I looked into my future and I saw that I could take over my father's churches. I could, I could be his successor. But if I don't have myself, if I don't have my integrity, if I don't have my authenticity, what, what kind of success is that? You know, what, what, that's not true success. If I lie to myself now, I'm going to have to lie to myself for the rest of my life. And so I chose a different path. I felt in my soul, in my being, I felt such a strong calling to come to America specifically to come to California, specifically to come to Southern California, Los Angeles, because all of the authors, the self-help authors, 90% of them that I read about were from my father's bookshelf, lived in California, lived in LA, lived in San Diego. And I wanted to come and meet these people and go into this field. And so for me, there was this calling. And you know, sometimes what your soul guides you to do doesn't always make sense to your mind doesn't always make sense to your personality and your logic because that internal guidance is arising from a deeper dimension than your conditioned mind. And it's not meant to fit into your mind's capacity to understand. It's bigger than that. And so it didn't make sense, but I felt it. And, you know, what your soul guides you to do is not always comfortable and doesn't always make sense. But I really believe that if you follow your soul, you will always be guided in the right direction, in the right way, even though the path that you take may not make sense in the moment. And I have proven this and it's been proven and I've seen it in my lived experience um, from that moment. And so I knew what I had to do in that moment. So another moment was I knew I had to leave everything and I chose to leave everything behind, renounce everything. I renounced the ministry, had the conversation with my father, another pivotal moment. Um, it was difficult and challenging and heartbreaking because I loved my father, even though we weren't that close and I knew I'd be breaking his heart. And so that was like an initiation into manhood. And that was the day I, I decided to own and choose my soul. And we didn't speak for two years, another challenging moment. And uh, long story short, I ended up winning a green card in the green card lottery. And that changed my life. And at 18 and a half, I came to the US, LA, two suitcases, $800 in my pocket uh, in search, following my soul, following this dream that was, it felt bigger than me. It felt like I didn't have a choice. It felt like I, I just, I, I had to follow it. To not follow the, 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 this impulse felt more painful than any alternative. And so I, I came, $800, didn't know, know anyone in LA, just showed up as a 18 year old kid and when I found many of the authors and teachers that I that, that we've read about famous folks studied with some of them and then another moment which we can get into later if you want but another moment was when I was guided to travel and I was tired of I was tired of reading the books I was tired of reading someone else's experience and I wanted to know 
I wanted to know God for myself. I wanted to know who I am. I wanted to know my purpose and the purpose of life. And so I decided to put everything in storage and broke up with my girlfriend and shaved my head and started traveling. Ended up walking uh, 900 kilometers in uh, northern Spain, the Camino, which was challenging. And then I ended up in India straight after that for four months. And that was a series of moments that cracked me open to another reality, another sense of knowing who I am and why I'm here and my life altered and changed. And from there, I came back as a young kid and started working with people, man. Just began one-on-one talking to people. And my work evolved, you know, and, and I didn't know what I was doing. This was before coaching was popular, no social media. And one person came, another person came, and my way of working with people just evolved. And I ended up calling it uncoaching and unconditioning. And I just felt so free that I wanted, I wanted people to feel what I felt, which was a sense of freedom that wasn't based on external factors. And it just grew. You know, one person came, another person came. People came from around the world and small groups, larger groups, and two best-selling books. And so here we are. So that's a bit of the journey, which has been a series of moments and blessings. And some of those moments didn't make sense. Some of those moments were confusing. Some of those moments, especially those moments, when I look back now, that I thought were the worst moments turned out to be the best moments. And some of those moments when I didn't get what I wanted, I'm now able to look back and say, I thank, you know, we thank God for being grateful for what we have. But I thank God now for the dreams and the prayers that were not answered. And I thank God for the heartbreak. And I thank God for the desolation and the dark nights, which made me go deeper. And I thank God for the dreams that did not manifest because they forced me to reevaluate and they brought me here. And so I'm able to see it now with perspective. Beautiful. I think uh, there's so much there to unpack. I have two pages of notes and I'm really excited to go deeper. Cool. Uh, because there's so much value that you've, you've really uncovered and, and went through. But I want to take us really to that moment where you just said the guidance and looking back. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's wisdom in that. Mm-hmm. And there's wisdom in being able to recognize all of those connections and all those details. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious from today's perspective. And you look back at all of that and understand mm. all the teachings from our teacher, our you know, creator, the name is not important. Mm. And moving forward now, do you mm-hmm. see that same guidance now in slow motion? Yeah, I feel the hand of grace, the hand of God, this innate intelligence that is life more than ever guiding my life. It's always been guiding, but now I see it more and more. In a strange way, uh, the deeper right, the more I let go, the more I surrender, the less choice I feel I have, the freer I feel. Before, the more in ego I was, the more choice I thought I had, the more limited I actually was. And so... Um, I have just, look, I have just endeavored to do my best to follow the flow of life, to follow 
Like if you become still, you'll feel life has a flow. You will feel that there is a kind of rhythm, like the stream of your life is moving in a direction and you'll kind of feel it and sense it. And um, I have endeavored to follow that energy of the divine intelligence. And what I have had to learn to do through trial and error is stop questioning the guidance. Because many times I think we all feel the guidance. Do here, you know, it could be as simple as you meet someone and it's a relationship potential and something says something, don't go there. Something's uh, some, on that first date, something's off. But everything, you know, they do yoga and they meditate and they're spiritual. Something's off, something. And, and it doesn't make sense to your mind and you can feel it. And, you know, I remember... 20 years ago, I met this beautiful woman and I met her in a parking lot and everything inside of me just subtly said, don't go there, stay away. Next thing you know, a month later, I'm in a relationship. It's like, I knew I shouldn't have gone there. I didn't listen to the guidance, you know? And so I think we all, as human beings, are being guided, whether we're aware of the guidance, but sometimes the guidance of our soul, of this innate intelligence, doesn't always come in the way that our mind expects. It doesn't always come in a loud siren bell, like here's your guidance. Sometimes it's a subtle sensation you feel in your body. Sometimes it's that gut feeling of hesitation, something soft. Sometimes it's just a passing conversation. Sometimes it's turning on a random video and the exact song plays that you're needing to hear, but you're not paying attention. Sometimes it's, it's, it's getting lost and bumping into someone. And so, I think we have to learn to just pay attention and be open. And so what I what I learned to do was when like like we talk ourselves out of the guidance because we're constantly trying to understand it, figure it out and analyze it. Well, what does this mean? And how does this you know the ego is constantly trying to understand what the guidance means, decode it, analyze it because we think if I can understand it, I can control and be in control and I won't get hurt again. But if I don't understand it and it is beyond my current capacity to understand, I'll go into the unknown. And if I'm in the unknown, it's dangerous and I might get hurt and I, I'm not in my comfort zone. And so for me, I've just endeavored to, I've stopped questioning the guidance. And so now when I feel that sense, that nudging, that, that subtle thing, I just, I just do it. Turn left, turn left. I don't, you might ask me, why did you turn left? I have no freaking idea. Turn right. I don't know. I mean, I look stupid. Like, like, Kuda, you're not intelligent. And so, you know, I had to give up this whole thing about looking good and being smart. Like there's a quote in the Bible that goes something like, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be like a child which is the innocence, you know, not childish, but children, there's an innocence. And we lose touch with that innocence because we want to like be smart and be intelligent. And I had to give that up. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm going here, but something is nudging me here. And, and, and I think if we can just follow and follow and follow and follow and follow, the guidance also grows our relationship with the guidance grows. And then you start seeing often afterwards how all the dots connect and then things make sense often afterwards. And so many times your guidance 
it's not meant to make sense to your mind. It, it, because it's arising from a deeper dimension of unconditioned essence and your mind is conditioned. And since the guidance is arising from unconditioned, pure consciousness, it's, it doesn't fit into the limitation of your mind's capacity to understand. And so it's a good thing when you're like, I don't know, I don't understand. Great, follow, follow it, follow it. That's what I've just learned to do. To just, it's a bit scary at first, just turn left, okay? To, and I can give you story after story of experience, you know, uh, when I followed it and, and just amazing things have happened. And even when, here's the thing, people might say, but yeah, but bad shit can happen too. Yeah, but bad is a perspective of the ego because bad is a perspective of the ego from a limited perception. The ego, which is the perceived sense of what we believe ourselves to be, that we've been conditioned to identify as me, is not able to see is only able to see a very small sliver of the pie of reality of this moment and this existence. It's this or it's that. It's like when we look through the lens of the ego, you have a beautiful picture, but you're looking at the small corner of that picture and you're not able to see how that black dot connects to the entire tapestry of the picture. You just see a blob of black, but you don't see that it's, it's the eyeball of a tiger in a, you know, in a forest in Japan, you know, you just see, what is this black blob, right? And so this is like the ego. And so even the things that seem like the worst thing in the moment, that heartbreak, that disease, that divorce, like, yeah, from that moment, you might say, but I surrendered and bad shit happened, but it just seemed, it seemed like that from that perspective. But if that didn't happen, then you wouldn't have moved. You wouldn't have gone, moved back home, which would not, not have taken you to that location to meet your soulmate. And so we have to step back. And so I just say, follow the guidance and get curious. Curiosity is a key component to living in flow. Curiosity. Curiosity is the willingness to say, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, like, I don't know why this... What, I don't know what this means. I don't, I don't know because we're constantly projecting onto reality. This is what this means. The mind is our meaning-making mechanism. This is what this is. This is what this isn't. This is what this relationship is. This is, this is what this isn't. Rather than saying, you know what? I don't know why that happened. I, I don't know, but I'm willing to be open and available, and I'm curious to allowing life to show me. Like, let life show me. And I think that's the availability and that's when magic can happen, you know? Magic, exactly. That, and, and, and there's this beautiful, you know, when you listen to the universe, it's art. But when the universe starts to listen to you, it becomes magic. Yeah, yeah. And this is something that allows this congruent behavior that comes from inside of us to show up outside of us. For such a long period of time, right? Like for myself, it was this philosophy of needing to, to see or recognize it from the outside. Mm -hmm. And so by identifying it from within, we get to start to listen, which is what I hear, what I'm hearing is like, instead of like seeing the outside world and continuously questioning, there's a shift and there's a breakthrough. And what I'm hearing is that that breakthrough that happens is that you went inside and you started listening. And as a result, it all started to show up. Yeah. 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 
Absolutely. So my brother, you mentioned feeling multiple times, right? Okay. And so in, in, this is something that I think that a lot of people, you know, they're so focused on this mind component where like they, it's all about logic. It's all about, you know, and, and you talked about like really following and surrendering, maybe yes. not in those words, but that's what yes. I heard. And this level of listening, mm -hmm. this level of flow, this level of following the breadcrumbs, right? Yes, yes. How important is it for more people to tune in to that feeling? I think it's key. I think it's, it's so key. Because if you allow yourself to become sensitive, you will sense. When I say feeling, I'm not talking about emotionality. Like, uh, uh, it's a sense, right? It's, it's a, like something feels, something, so, like something's opening up. Something feels like it's moving in this direction. And, and I think the more we can follow the flow, follow the flow of life, the authentic flow of life, that's when you're in the flow. And that's a feeling. It's like for those that might be uh, surfers, right? If you look at these big wave surfers, I don't know if you're a surfer, but I'm, I'm a wannabe surfer. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, Me too. <laughs> I, I, see, I see like- Leonard I tried a few times. <laughs> you know, Kelly Slater. They, 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 they take their surfboard out. Like I've never seen a surfer, right? Go with a fire truck with a, with a hose and like, let's like make a wave. They go, they take the board, they lie on their board, and they hang out. What are they doing? They're feeling. They're, they're feeling. They're not making the ocean. They're not making the waste. They're feeling for the wave. They're feeling for the movement. They're attuning to the rhythm of how the ocean is doing. And they feel that wave and then they jump up into action and ca catch that wave. You don't hear them saying, I made that wave. They catch the wave. So they're feeling for it. And then they move into action. Whereas as human beings, many of us, we're disconnected from that sense and that feeling, as you said, in our logic, in our mind, in our analysis, which is also a self-protective mechanism, because we think if I can understand and understand and understand and understand everything, then, I'm, then I can be protected and I won't get hurt again. Now we've disconnected from a whole dimension of feeling. And so they feel for the wave. Then they go into action. But many of us, we are, it's like we're riding a board in an ocean where there's no wave and we're like going crazy. There's no wave. There's nothing to surf. And so that feeling sense, I think is, is such an important uh, component. But I think many times in many ways we have disconnected from that feeling capacity. You know, as children, we were in touch with our feeling nature. We were in touch with that feeling capacity until we start getting conditioned. So as children, we were free feeling. We would sing when we felt like it, cry when we felt like it, poop when we felt like it, just, just being, pure being, unconditioned. We didn't care if we didn't sound like Bruno Mars or Celine Dion. We were just feeling, being. We would fall down, we cry, then we're over it. If you see a little baby, they'll be like, ah, and then they're done. Boom, finished. They just, they felt fully and they're complete. And so what happens when we start losing touch with that? feeling capacity is 
with these free beings, we incarnate as souls into this human experience. We meet our parents. Our parents are just doing the best that they know how to do based on their upbringing and their childhood and their conditioning. Maybe dad is crazy. Maybe mom is an alcoholic. Maybe dad abandoned. Maybe there's divorce, pain, trauma, hurt, you know, mental, emotional, sexual abuse. Maybe there's some dysfunction. Maybe they were great people, but they just didn't know how to meet your emotional needs. And so because it was painful around and we felt a bit out of control, like, oh, mom is throwing shit and dad is fighting. And I feel so helpless and it feels so... I feel so out of control, like my needs aren't being met. So we learn unconsciously to shut down, disconnect, and not feel. Suppress, 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 suppress. Suppress the feeling capacity because it's too painful to be that sensitive. And so over time, layers and 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 layers of unacknowledged feeling begin to layer up and cover up our true essence our true nature, our true sensitivity. And now let's say we, we close our hearts as a strategy, as a defense mechanism to not feel the pain because it's too painful when my heart is open and I sense. So now let me just close my heart so this way I don't have to feel the pain and feel the helplessness. And we go through life now disconnected from the body, from our feeling, from the body, from the sensitivity. Now we're like, in the mind, in the logic, everything has to make sense. I have to understand everything. And I, in this way, I don't have to feel what's underneath. And now we go through life disconnected and we lose the sensitivity, you know, the feeling, which is why also, which is why we crave it. Why the, why the hell do we drink? We go to drink what? So we can start feeling something why do we go you, you go to a concert you go to a football game you like like you see you see grown men that in their regular lives are just numb robot disconnected automatons like screaming yay patriots why they're finally feeling something you know some sense of feeling something we're trying to get in touch with it in some some way and so I think, yes, feeling is important because when we open up that dimension, we can drop to the deeper level of sensitivity, you know, to sort of feel, to become, to feel subtler layers. There are emotions, but to feel subtler layers of life. It's like, huh, something's nudging me here, you know, something, something like, I give you an example. I live in LA now. I lived in LA for 20 years, but during COVID, Everything shut down. The world went kind of bonkers. And this guidance said, not said, it just, this feeling was like, don't renew your lease and give up your apartment. I never thought I would leave LA, ever. I love, like LA was my place, man. And so I was a bit heartbroken, but I could feel like this thing, something's telling me, like something's feeling. And so... I had a house in Phoenix, which again, I was guided to, to purchase this unique little property in Phoenix. Didn't understand why in the moment. So it was COVID, go live in Phoenix for however long, give up your, your property in LA. I was devastated, but it's just the feeling. And one week later, I was in downtown LA, right? I was now in Phoenix. One week later, I'm online 
you know, this is a George Floyd time. People were, were literally rioting in LA. A week later, I see my apartment building basically on fire. And, wow. and they, they had trashed the lobby of the apartment and all around the block of downtown where I lived. It was complete mayhem, like war zone. And I'm thinking to myself, I would have been there. I would have been in that madness. I would have been in that, you know, so feeling. So then, then, I'm, in, then I'm in Phoenix, not knowing why, full time. And long story short, at the end of 2020, this subtle sense said, just go hang out in Miami for five days. Just check it out. And I, I followed it. Came back, went there. I love this place. Something said, come, come to Miami for a month. Follow the feeling. Did it make sense? As soon as I got there for a month, went online, just following the feeling. Went online, just let me just, let me just look, at, look at apartments in Miami. I'm not going to move here, but just following the feeling. Next thing you know, looking at an apartment, that, that afternoon I had signed a lease. Boom. Now I'm living in Miami. Feeling. Following the feeling. You don't, you don't have to understand where you're even going to get to exactly where you need to be. There's an intelligence that knows. Then I'm in Miami. Wondering, what the hell am I in Miami? Okay, I guess I'm going to be, Miami's the new LA for me. I'm going to be in Miami forever. I'm excited about being in Miami, thinking I know. Then I was in Egypt doing an event. I feel this feeling, the subtle sense. Not the mind, not logic. Brazil pops in my radar. Go to Brazil. The hell? That, what the, bro, go to Brazil. This, like, this, this is crazy. Then. Follow that feeling. Just follow. Don't question. Long story short, once I'm done with my event, I'm, I'm in Brazil, not knowing why just sitting in my room, basically working. Long story short, in that six days I was in Brazil, I met my wife in the most random, unexpected way. The woman that I married, and now I have a son. And so <clears throat> there's an, there is an innate intelligence. You cut your finger. It knows how to heal. You don't have to sit there and control it logicalize it like there's an innate intelligence that knows exactly how to bring you keep it clean it knows how to bring your body back into harmony you don't have to pray you don't have to meditate you could be pablo escobar doesn't matter it knows what to do it knows if everyone here if you imagine your most doesn't have to be the most but if you imagine your most blissful sexual experience of lovemaking. It's like, yes, with your spouse, with your lover, with that person. It's like, that was freaking blissful. It was ecstatic. If you imagine it for a moment, right? What made it blissful? What made it so ecstatic? Was it because you came to the lovemaking experience? You came to the bedroom with, a, with an iPad of uh, a business plan uh, okay, honey, we're going to make love for exactly 47 minutes today. And it's going to go down like this. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. So in the second minute, you're going to kiss me on the cheek 14 times. Then you're going to turn around at exactly, you know, one centimeter. We're going to do this. We're going to like, like, is that how, how it happens? 
Hell no. Who the hell would want to have sex and make love if that's what it was? We all have a sense of it. It's what we're seeking, this surrender, this feeling. We, but when we make love, we, we let go of control. We, we, you have to, we, we feel our partner. We let go. We surrender. We, 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 we're feeling. We're, we're, fo we're following the flow. We're responding. How? 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 Do we, we, it's just happening. And, and I think lovemaking is so ecstatic and beautiful because we're not thinking about it. If you think of your worst sexual experience, it, I'm not saying there's a bad one, but if you think of the worst one, like probably it's like when you were in your mind thinking about shit, what am I going to do now? And what are they thinking about me? And what happens next? And what if I don't perform? And what if, it, what if they, the, how do I look? How's my belly? And do, do I look fat? And hell up here. And so following that flow, follow the flow of life. To me, that's, that's where the magic is, you know. To allow life to reveal itself to you, to allow, to allow yourself, to allow yourself, to allow life to lead you. Life will and lead I have, you. I have to say, based off of what you're sharing right now, uh, this morning, uh, when I was living in Brazil, uh, this oh, amazing, wow. this amazing woman came to visit me because we had a really beautiful connection. And uh, that time that she was there, we had an amazing time. We made beautiful love, and we spent a lot of great um, moments together. And today, like we've been talking since then, lots. But today is the two days since that moment, or two years since that moment. And, she, and her and I connected, we've been connecting regularly, but this is, this woman is going to be my wife. And it's beautiful that you bring it up. It's beautiful oh, that you God. talk about it. We talked about it today, this morning, when her and I had a conversation and, you know, she sent the picture like, Hey babe, this was two years ago. You know, we were on the deck and we were in Brazil together. <laughs> and, and it's a sign, that, brother. It's a sign. Of course. It's, it's always a sign. And this is the thing is like, this is what I just want everybody to hear is like, you just have to listen. And when you pay attention, the world will show you everything that you really need. And so it, it, it's really fascinating that you bring a lot of these things up and, and, you know, tapping back into the feeling and that essence of men, I think is a really important caliber of how we can actually step into, into this responsibility as men more so uh, in terms of really balancing that masculine and feminine energy. And so I know we have a little bit of time, but I think that this is really important, my brother, is, is really expressing that relationship. You talked like with your, your pops that you may have not been that close with them. How did you manage that relationship? And how did you manage the flow with your mom and dad so that, you know, you really tapped back into this masculine and feminine energy within yourself? So wow. that you could really step in that level of service. Yeah, I think it's it's a good question. It's it's uh huh. there's few there's a few books I could write about <laughs> the, 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 the yeah. journey. It's amazing. Look, when, when, when I when I when I came to the U.S., I didn't realize that I was incredibly angry at my father. Yeah, and and I didn't realize how abandoned I felt by him, and how how. I felt like he was not there for me and he didn't see me. I didn't realize he was I was angry at this man. Uh, I remember my first girlfriend said to me when I was 19, she said, uh, 
think you're a bit angry at your dad. I think you need to deal with your anger. And I said, uh, no, I'm not. This relationship is over. <laughs> and, and, and that was the end of our relationship because she was bringing something to my awareness. I fell in love with another woman a year later. And she said, I think you have some anger towards your dad. I'm like, she's again. And so because I was in love this time, I decided to face it. And I did a, I did a men's retreat. I was 19, 20 years old. And we went into the, you know, into the forest and did men's stuff and got in a sweat lodge. And it was in that three days that somehow I began to forgive my father, truly. Like I acknowledged my anger, my pain. I had to acknowledge my anger, my pain, my rage, my sadness, my grief that I'd been carrying my whole life a feeling like I actually did not have a father, that I felt he abandoned me and wasn't there for me and kind of let me down. And that I actually felt like a lost little boy. And, and it was in acknowledging all those feelings that I got in touch with underneath that the depth of love that I had for this man. Regardless of who he was and what he was, and the, just like, I freaking loved him. It just was what it was. And so somehow I, I forgave this man. I forgave his soul. I forgave his human, his personality. And, you know, for me, forgiveness and closure with someone is not even with them. It's about your relationship with them inside of yourself. And you don't even, and many of us, we wait for the other person to pick up the phone and apologize to us. And, you know, well, if they don't apologize, I'm, and I just, I just forgave him, you know, within myself. And that freed me. I did not speak to him. We weren't speaking, but it freed me up totally. And I saw, truthfully, my dad doesn't owe, owe me anything anymore. He gave me life and I'm a grown adult now and he doesn't owe me shit. And if I want to be a man and own my power, I have to take my power back and give up any sense of entitlement and take responsibility for who I am now and who I'm going to be. And that was a beginning of a transformation. And I kid you not, we hadn't spoken in years. And within a week, within a week, my father, who's an old school, African, male, patriarchal guy, called me up and said, son, I think we need to talk. He didn't know what I had gone through. He had no idea. But somehow, we're all connected. Our souls are speaking all the time. And he said, we need to talk. And I said, I think we do. And that began a process, you know, of healing. Healing. And we started slowly healing. And I'm not saying we had the most buddy-buddy of relationships, but the charge was gone. There was a peace. There was an acceptance. There, they began to develop an acceptance of who he is and who he isn't. I stopped demanding things from him that he was not capable of giving me. He just wasn't capable of giving me because he never got it. And that was his conditioning. So he couldn't give it to me. And I realized that I wasn't open to what he was able to give me because I, I'm, I was so uh, intent on him giving me what I wanted him to give me. And now we weren't having a relationship. So when I just kind of surrendered that and let that go, it freed us up to just have a relationship. And, and so for, about 20 years, we, we, were, we were cool. I'm not saying we were like best of buddies, but, but like I love my dad, you know? I could honestly say, didn't have much anger towards my dad. And that freed me up 
that freed my energy to be able to move out into the world now, not angry at the masculine, not angry at my father, to be able to reclaim my own masculine that I had learned to suppress as a little boy because I had seen the detrimental effects of masculine energy around me, the detrimental effects of what I perceived of as unconscious masculine energy on my mother's life from my father. And so as that shifted, it freed me up to just own that part of myself in a healthy way, the power, the wildness, the rawness, the, 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 the kingness that came with that, you know? And I would say that the real next level of the completion with my father really happened when my mother passed away. My mother was the closest person to me. She passed away from stomach cancer in 2017. And I loved her. She raised me. She was everything. And so when she passed away, long story short, in my meditation, I spoke to her soul. My mother is 10 years younger than my father. So, I mean, we all kind of anticipated he would go first. And in my meditation, I said to my mother, to her soul, how come she died first? And she spoke to me and she said, I died to gift you the healing, the deeper healing with your father. And I understood what she meant because I'm like, well, I'm at peace with my, I'm cool with my father. You know, we're, we're cool. We're, we were cool. But I still realized that there was a layer of healing of complete karmic resolution that was still available because you know it was like well it takes two to tango in relationship and my dad doesn't call me well you know we it's not just one way he needs to call me too and if he doesn't call i won't call but i love him and uh, and i didn't love him and i wasn't angry but it was there was still a bit of something so when my mother died i made a decision and that decision changed my life i said i don't i don't care what my father's been what he hasn't done what he does do, what he doesn't do. The truth is, I love my father and I love his soul. And that's all that matters. All that matters is that I love him. What he chooses to do with that, that's his deal. That's his responsibility of his soul. And so um, from this moment of my mother's passing until the day my father dies, I made a choice that I was going to love my father. And I was going to call my father every single day until he died. Every day. As a yoga. As a devotion. I realized, you know, the truth is, he hasn't been a good father. But the truth is, I have not been a great son. That was a hard to digest. I had not honored my father in any way for giving me life. I wasn't there for him in any way, but I could argue that he wasn't there and he's the, 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 and it's all true, but the truth is wasn't resolving anything. And I had to acknowledge I was not being a great son, a son that blessed and honored and respected his father, because the truth is I, I stand on his shoulders and the sacrifices he made to help me be who I am. And I said, I'm going to call this man every day for the rest of his life. And I'm going to let him know that how loved he is so that when he dies, whenever that is, he knows how much he's loved and I am at peace. 
as a yoga, as a spiritual practice, as a devotion. And so every day, he lives in Ghana. It's a long way to call. Every day I would call him. And it wasn't like, well, we've got to have some profound conversation. No, it's like, he is what he is. And he never has to call me, but I'm going to call him every day. Hey, dad, how are you? Okay, just checking on checking in on you. Did you eat? Did you take your protein powder? Great. I love you. Boom. Hey, dad, how are you doing? You know, it was just nothing. I didn't have to receive anything from him. I just wanted to love him. And it became a, it became a prayer, a daily prayer for my father. And I kid you not, I would say his soul realized because he'd never been loved like that before. He'd never been devoted to like that before. And it, it healed something for him. It healed something between him and I. For the first time in that first year, my father called me up on my birthday to wish me happy birthday. Now, here's a man who never remembered my birthday as a kid. Rarely, rarely, maybe a couple of times. And all of a sudden, he calls me up singing me happy birthday, wishing me happy birthday. All of a sudden, you know, every now and again, starts leaving me voice messages. So proud of you. You know, at this point, I didn't need it. I didn't really care. But leaving me voice messages, I'm so proud of you. I love you, son. You're amazing. I respect you. You're incredible. I'm proud. I mean, it was like, wow. And the level of healing that happened on a soul level, on a spiritual level, on a karmic level, to, to heal the lineage in my masculine lineage. And I realized that I have to, I have to be the one that breaks the cycle. I have to be the one that's better than my father. I have to be the one that heals this lineage and masculine, you know, energy for my son and for my next generations. And it ends with me. And so last year, my father passed away. And I just felt we were so complete and so at peace. And so, you know, we fulfilled our mission. He fulfilled his mission. We were complete, you know, and it was beautiful. So healing can happen, man, on every, on every level. And if there's anyone listening, you know, you're holding a grudge to a parent, you're holding a grudge. I believe that you have the perfect father. You have the perfect parent for your soul's evolution. I'm not saying they're a perfect person, but they're the perfect parent for your soul's evolution. Because we're souls. We incarnate to this human experience to learn to go to evolve. To me, life is the university for your soul's uh, evolution and, and your parents and everybody, really. They're your teachers. And, 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 and so I think many ways your parents are your master teachers in this lifetime that we incarnate in order to work out shit with and resolve stuff with. And so let's work it out. You know, that's what we're here to do is to work the shit out. And, and, and the more you can work it out with them, the more you free yourself, the more you're likely or the less you're likely to need to unconsciously attract people in your life in the form of romantic relationships and relationships in general to work out the unresolved stuff with your parents because you won't need to project that energy out there. And so I know healing can happen because I saw it with my father. You know, I know that generational generations and lineage can be healed 
because I saw it with my father. And so uh, it's worth it. Pick up the phone, make the phone call, you know, write the letter, forgive, release, let go. So beautiful, man. So beautiful what you brought up, brought here. And thank you so much for this depth because there's so much wisdom that's uncovered here in, in terms of responsibility, recognizing that, you know, we are free and that we can really break the cycles now, yeah. now. Yeah. And if we take yeah. this responsibility, you know, as a collective man, woman, you know, any soul, you know, that's willing to really step into this, it stops with us and it starts with us. And so yeah. it's beautiful to observe that man and really having that share really come through you. I know that, you know, we're, we're running short on time here. And so I really want to honor, you know, the time that we have. And if anybody, you know, I know that you spent a lot of time with, you know, CEOs, mindfulness, with billionaires, you know, I want, I want to just really, if anybody like, you know, what's kind of the capacity that anybody can like step into understanding or knowing a little bit more about how you work and where can they find you and things like this? Yeah, look, a couple of ways. Number one, definitely read the books I wrote, I've written. You are the one, The Magic of Surrender on paperback. They're simply written, but I think full of gems. So start there. Um, I would say if someone is serious about transforming, if, if you feel truly ready for that next level of your life, if you feel you've been put on the planet for a purpose bigger than yourself and you feel that the time is now and you're ready to do the work because it does take work, you know? And if you're ready to do the work, you know, twice a year I do an event. It's a very special event. This is the last year, 2023, I'll be doing this event. But I think if someone is really like, I'm at that point and I'm ready for the next level, it's called, it's a 12-day experiential immersion seminar in Bali called Boundless Bliss, the Bali Breakthrough Experience. I've done this event for 11 years. Um, it's life-changing beyond words. Um, I've been privileged to have billionaires, celebrities, entrepreneurs, mothers, daughters, black, white, green, orange, gay, straight, you name it, you know, Filipino, Asian, Chinese, African, European, every cross-section of humanity come through this process and have their lives changed. And so it's 12 days. It's in Bali. If you're ready, this year, 2023, the final, um, I've done 21 of these events in 11 years. And uh, this is the final year. And so the final one, uh, depending on, we're, I know we're live with some folks, but July the 28th through August the 8th is the 21st event. And the 22nd event, which will be the final one I do of this particular event. I'll do other events, but but this particular event, uh, I probably won't do 12-day events again. I'm going to do smaller events, larger events. But uh, December the 5th through the 16th is the final Boundless Bliss Bali event. So July the 28th and then December the 5th. You can find out more. Um, www.boundlessblissbali.com boundlessblissbali.com You can find out more there. You can go to my main website, coopblackson.com. Uh, I take on a few select uh, people for one-on-one -on -one work, not many. I used to take on a lot, but I, I'm pretty selective these days. You can find out more about my work there, kubblackson.com. Um, send an email. You can go to my Instagram, Kubblackson, Facebook, Coop Love Now, podcast, Soul Talk, 
And uh, yeah, for me, part of my mission is to help people remember who they are and help people uncondition themselves so that they can get in touch with, so that you can get in touch with the, the freedom that is your essential nature <clears throat> and live that freedom in the world and share your gifts and ultimately fulfill your soul's purpose. And that's, that's what I do. Beautiful, man. I love it. I think it's so important. And I really, I'll have the links attached in the show notes for anybody Thank that's, you. that's listening. But like, uh, last question, bro, before we yes. go, if you had three days left to live, what would you do? Three days left? Yeah. Literally just three days? <laughs> ah, it's simple, man. I, I would just, uh, I would just spend time with my wife and my son. And we would go hang out on the beach somewhere and just love each other up. That's it, man. Simple. You know, just hanging out with them, being with them. For me, they are God. Bless your beautiful heart, my brother. Thank you. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Talk soon. Hey, everyone, and thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Minds. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please make sure to go comment and like and follow us on iTunes or Spotify. And make sure, please make sure that if you really love this, to share this episode and make sure that you're inviting all your friends to like it as we continue to unfold what the beauty of our minds does. More importantly, how powerful our heart level of intelligence can be when we combine our heart and our brain together. And more importantly, make sure you take the time to take a look at what we're doing at Balanced Media Ventures and how we can actually really support you in doubling your impact, your income, and your influence, and how you can bring your life's greatest vision into your purpose and create it from that level of reality. Talk to you soon.